Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Second Act with me, Bonnie Somerville. Yes, I am back again. I know you've been counting the days. Counting the days to listen to this, this raspy voice coming at you from Long Beach, California. I hope everybody is good. Just a quick reminder, if you're not following me um, on Instagram, please do so at second underscore act underscore podcast. Leave me your messages. Tell all your friends. Send me some love that way. And my Instagram, which is bonds with a Z, Somerville. And also download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave those reviews and those five stars because that matters. So I could keep bringing you these amazing guests. I'm so excited about this one. I'm actually really, really personally uh, involved with this person. Um, I've known him for well over a decade. I have worked with him twice. Um, I have done a ton of charity work with him. He is one of the most charitable people you've ever heard of and you'll find out more about that that's a, a funny story about us hosting a charity event together that got really inappropriate because when we get together we are truly very inappropriate he is an actor a producer a writer a stand-up a dad a survivor um an advocate for sobriety um an amazing human being all around and truly truly as big and bombastic as this man is i've never met a kinder soul the guy wouldn't say no to helping an ant cross the street at a picnic. I mean, he's, he's, he's that much of a good guy. So please enjoy this special interview with my good buddy, Tom Arnold. I'm very excited. I have one of my favorite people on this episode. I've known him for a very long time. He's one of the kindest, sweetest, funniest humans I've ever met. He's my good friend, Tom Arnold. Hi, Bonnie. How are you? I feel How are you? you? I am. I'm well. I'm well. The kids are well. It's quiet. There were three skunks spotted next door. <laughs> That's <laughs> exciting. That is exciting. So I got to keep my eye on the dog. And because, uh, you know, you get skunk on you. Ooh. You got to shave. You got to shave. Ooh. And you're and, back in Los Angeles after shooting in Rome. I'm so jealous. I am. Well, it, what you were know, you shooting? It was uh, called The Christmas Witch. You know, it was a sequel to Christmas Thieves. And, oh, which story I had to be fall. told. Story I had, had to be told. Yeah. I had to, we shot that in the fall. Michael Madsen and I went over there and shot this movie. And he was the elf and I was Santa. And, uh, <laughs> Santa! Uh, quite a time. And then uh, came back and Michael had some issues with his passport. His ex-wife garnished it. And so oh. he didn't make the flight. And then Billy Baldwin <laughs> came in to play uh, Uncle Tony instead of Uncle Bid. So he just blue Holy. line script. <laughs> Holy, that's a, that's a motley crew right there. Yeah. But I, I love to, you know, and I, I'd like to go back there after COVID single. Yes. Because I've never really traveled a lot single unless I was working. I could just tell. Mm. I could tell the vibe would be good. Oh, really? Go, go places when you're, you know, you know, you're going to, you know, when you go with somebody else, uh, I guess in the best circumstances, it's wonderful. But if it's not the best circumstances, I think you're you're better off going by yourself. I could just tell. Uh-huh. You know, the first day, the director had me come up at a, at a beautiful hotel, meet on the roof. And, uh, you know, and I got, you know, I, I'm sure it's how it is for everybody over there. A lot of invitations to take me out. No, really? Are they forward? Are they forward over there, those women? I, I, don't, I wouldn't call it forward. I'd call it excellent. And uh, <laughs> the director knew them because a lot of them were in the business. And uh, I would say to him, now, have you slept with her? And he's like, yeah. I go, what about that one? No. Okay. That I want to talk to that one. Oh, right. You know, Ooh, the that's weird a- guy thing. You're like. It's kind of like being at Soho House. It's kind of like yeah. being at Soho House here. It is. Except yeah. it's Rome. And so everything is better. Everything uh-huh. is unbelievable. It's sexier. It's, it's just beautiful. The, uh, you know, people, the history, just the the way my driver drove, like a maniac. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it was the second, when I went back in March, it, they had a code red lockdown. So 
the first time last fall, I, I, I walked around more because there was more people walking around and right. just people watching and, and going to different things that they did there. And, uh, and it was, they were on code red when I went after a week of filming. And so you basically went, your hotel had, they moved me to this other hotel, which was really beautiful. And it was like the shining because I was like the only person yeah. there. Yeah. And so I just did a job life. too that was at this beautiful hotel, the Fairmont in San Francisco, but it was really oh, wow. scary. It was empty. The halls are so huge. It's old. It's from the 1900s. And I said every day, I was like, this is creepy. Yeah. Like it's empty ghost town. Yeah. But wait, I, I want to tell everybody how we met so that because oh, yeah, because yeah. Our, our history is we met on a TV show. Yeah. Yes. And it was yours. And it was a pitch for HBO from about your old best damn sports show. And we yeah. we met on that. And then we did a pilot together. Yep. Everybody's uh, every uh, what was that called? Uh, uh, somebody else's kids or I don't, I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah, I other people's that. kids. And you played oh, yeah. my stepdad and yeah. Judith Light played. I love Judith Light. I'm still absolute legend. Badly in love with her. So and And, you and you and I immediately hit it off. And then you. Yeah, we wanted to do the show together and you've known me forever. But obviously you as far as having a guest on the show to talk about second acts, I honestly don't know if there's anyone better than you. Well, how many acts do you think you've had? How many like, you know, I'm lucky to be alive. I I think that you have uh, there's probably three three acts and what is growing up in a growing uh, up in Iowa was number yeah. one. I was going to ask about that. And then town. small Getting, town boy. Right. Working at the meat packing plant for three years out of high school on the kill floor. Um, Try to save money to go to the university of Iowa, basically. Cause I just felt, well, if I get there that I could do anything, anything in the world is possible. And I had a lot of dreams and, and, uh, uh, and they've all come true. I'm going to be honest with you. Really? Did a dream bigger, but no, I had a, a lot of dreams. And and you know, they right now there's a documentary series about my sister that I participated in called the the Queen of Meth on Discovery Plus. And you you, you get a good idea of how we grew up. You know, they go back and and kind of uh, chronicle our lives. You know, uh, she's my younger sister by a year, and she became a massive uh, methamphetamine uh, distribution and producer and and uh drug uh you know with the biker did you know this was happening because i've heard you talk about this with stern like did you well, know she was doing that well she I, was I like a kingpin my sister was a drug dealer i do that and, and before i stopped using drugs that wasn't the worst thing in the world to have your sister <laughs> who could get any drug at any time my friends and i uh, love my sister and but i i was because she you know uh, her life just changed uh dramatically when she was 14. I, I'd moved, our dad raised us and they, when I was 10, he married the next door neighbor. That really wasn't, that didn't, she wasn't a fan of mine. And when I was 15, I moved in with our mom, our crazy, crazy mom. And I knew our mom wasn't a mom, you know? I, I mean, I just knew, I, I just, from, by the time I was, when she left, I was four, I knew that. I was like, this is not a mom. This is not anything like and uh, 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 my sister, I moved in so I could drink and do drugs and uh, they have no rules. Your mom, was she, was she like a pal? Did she hang with you guys and she do that with you? Me. I, I, I wouldn't hang with her. Well, she was with my sister. Oh, okay. So my sister, when she was 14, she followed me over there. And my sister didn't have the luxury of knowing, oh, you know, she's a maniac. You know, she's, she was married seven times in our small town, alcohol, like all this stuff. And, and my sister, because my dad didn't do something, here's something I do with my kids. Because, you know, I've had some issues with their, their mother and, and custody and different things and police and ridiculous things. And, and now what I do is if, if she does something uh, that's highly inappropriate in front of them, uh, if she acts, you know, I'll take, uh, I'll take a second and go, hey, what you just saw, I would not treat her like that. Uh, I would not like you guys to treat anybody like that. And it wasn't okay. I just want you to know that wasn't okay. And then that's we move so on. Great. That you is know, so I, great to acknowledge yeah. it. Cause that's one of my things. I always say, you know, all the craziness I grew up with. One of the biggest issues is that people just not acknowledging it, right. not recognizing it, not validating it. And sometimes you just need someone to go, I saw what just happened. It's not yeah. okay. I was there. You were, and, and my dad never did that. He just, laughed it off he i think he was grateful he had his kids and my mom would come over just out of control wasted 
crazy. And my dad would just laugh. And so I knew that my mom was not, I mean, she made it clear early when she's like, Hey, I'm not maternal. I'm not going to tell you I love you, but I will tap you on the knee once in a while. I was like, okay, great. Oh my, but my sister worshiped her. So my sister didn't have a sense of reality because of like you just said, no one ever said, Hey, what just happened was not okay. And when she moved in with our, me and uh, my mom and my sixth of seven stepfathers, um, <laughs> she, they were best friends. They were best bar friends. They partied. The first drug she ever did was with our mom. Up till then, my sister had been an A student and done a great athlete and done all these things. But as soon as she gets in with mom, then they're bar people. I mean, they, they, you see that they had pictures taken together, which is so creepy where they go out to the mall and they, I mean, with your, oh, come on. Wow. I wasn't in those pictures. I'll tell you that. And uh, so uh, they went out and my sister started da- dating a 23 year old guy. She's 14, you know, a rapist and a serial pedophile. And, and my mom and Kenny, yeah. said, I said, said uh, they told her you, you, you could break up with him. Uh, uh, or uh, or we'll have arrested, or you could marry him. And, you know, you're 14 and you're real stupid. And she's like, oh, well, I'll marry him. So my mom drove them to Missouri. and what? married. Yeah. And that really was the end of my sister's, for sure, childhood. For, but her life just oh went on a cliff God. because this guy, I remember my mom came home without her. And, and, you know, I was so pissed. I mean, I tried to stop them when I heard that was going on. Uh, for my stepdad, I tried to get on the highway to and called my dad and said, we got to try to, I know they're going to Missouri. I don't know if it's Lancaster or wherever they're going. Um, and my mom just came home that night. She was so drunk and, uh, and she's all, she, she was sad, crying, whatever her bullshit is. And I said, where's Lori? And said, well, she's at her apartment. In other words, her life, she's with that guy. And that guy beat her up. And eventually I had, I, I had to go take Lori out of there. That guy, who was 23, he, he'd already divorced a 15-year-old. Oh, my, my God. Are you kidding? Is this, this is insane. Yeah. I he, mean, I know some of your stories. I never heard this one. No, this is, and, and he cheated with a 12-year-old. Oh, my, is he, is he in jail or dead? Yeah, he did. He died of a serious fire in his own bed. Uh, <laughs> wow, that sounds too so, good for him. But they, uh, but then, when, you know, that, then she was in the life. Because she couldn't right. really go back to school. And, it, it, you know, they talk about how it felt to, her friends who are walking to school with her, they all said she's living in an apartment and, 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 you know, it, it, you just, you know, there's an innocence you have when you're younger, where you get to really take advantage of going to school and do this, get a little trouble, do this. And now since she was a married woman. So when you try to come back from that, uh, there's no place for you. She right. tried to come back to school. It just didn't work out. And then she ends up, you know, she got into, uh, the prostitution business and the, the drug business. And, and then she met a guy and married him. She was 18. He was like 38. Uh, this uh, president of the Grim Reaper motorcycle gang. And so they already were into drugs and distribution and, and stuff. And she, she figured she was so poor too. She was living a, out on the river. And by the way, there's a difference between river people and lake people. Is this like <laughs> living in a van down by the river? It's just rivers just go. The Boy That's rivers like the sketch on SNL. Bodies and whatever. And she said, well, I'm going to do this business, but I want to be really good at it. And I'm going to build it up. And then she just, you know, I mean, I knew it was, you know, there were things like my mom was like, uh, Lori bought me a new a living room set. I, I'd be like, yeah, Lori's a drug dealer. Yeah, she was, but it's amazing. You know, my dad always stuck his head in the sand about it. And, but I knew she was doing it. You know, we are the other kids, my family, we we're all, you know, I was concerned about her cause I didn't like the bed that she chose. Uh, and, and, you know, we had a few things about that, but I knew she was doing that. At the same time, I'm dreaming to get out of Iowa and become a stand-up comedian. And, so you wanted to be a stand-up comedian that, that young, that like, yeah, oh, yeah. That, is mean, that what, is that your, was that your number one dream? Cause yeah, yeah. I mean, that was okay. like the dream in my head because our dad, the only time we really heard him laugh uh, would be when there was a Bob Hope special on. Remember, uh-huh. Bob Hope used to have these big specials. And I just said to my brother and sister, whatever it is that Bob Hope does, that's what I want to do. And and were you funny then? Did, did you like? Well, it- I, I was. I was funny and brave. 
you know, mm-hmm. well, it sounds like be. you're brave. Well, you know, there's a lot in a, in a meat packing town like ours. <laughs> there's a lot of bullies and they're the older kids on your street. You know, you have to walk a freaking gauntlet to get to school. And, and eventually I realized, so, and, you know, uh, maybe if I made these guys laugh, they wouldn't beat the shit out of me. And then eventually I realized, oh, I'm bigger than them. I'm going to beat the shit out of all them. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, here's something that you maybe don't know about me, but if you know me, then you do know this. I do not relax well. I don't sleep well. With my crazy life, it's just hard for me, and my crazy brain, it's just hard for me to shut it off and chill. I overthink, I stress out, I don't sleep, and you know what? It sucks. So I did my homework, and I found Sunday Scaries, which are delicious, and vitamin-boosted CBD gummies. They are like a must-have now for me on the daily. They chill me out just about 20 minutes. Basically, they take the edge off so I can just like chill out and live scare free. So there's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money back guarantee. If the product is not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday scaries, you know, in the stress relieving business, not in the stress causing business. So I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com. Use my promo code believe that's B-L-E-A-V for your discount. That's promo code B-L-E-A-V for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're effing amazing. And you know what? You won't regret it. And you might get a good night's sleep. That's such a funny part of your story that you worked in the meatpacking on the kill floor. I mean, that's like to go from that to what you've done. I mean, like it's just so much. It's so opposite. Yeah. So then did you get into school? Did you save money and then you went to school? Yeah, and I have to say this about Bob Hope. Yes. You know, you talk about dreams coming true. Uh, one of the first things I did when I moved to Los Angeles was a Bob Hope special. And, uh, and, and Bob Hope called my dad, and he wrote the stuff. And so my dad watched, who used to watch Bob Hope in our living room, in the same living room, years later, he watched me and Bob Hope oh. on the same TV. And so that's like, a, that's magic. Yeah. And you know, we, you know, I've talked about the magic of, of what our business is and, and life. And, and, uh, but I also thought, well, now what? <laughs> I done the Bob Hope special. And I think part of me was like, if I could just be on TV once, the people in my town would really like me. And that's just turns out not to be the case. When did you go? Wait, wait, tell me, did you graduate school or did you, did you finish or did you quit? I, 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 because I was working at the meatpacking plant, I started right. school uh, in Ottumwa at the community college, Indian Hills Community College, which is really a, the biggest life changer for me. Because then you went from a guy that works at a meatpacking plant to a guy that's going to college and working at a meatpacking plant. And then I went to Iowa. I did two years there, two years in Iowa. And at Iowa City just opened up because there was people that didn't look like me. There was, there were smart people. They from all over the world, it seemed like, and it was just like this new blew your mind all the possibilities, you know, and get on, get on stage in the student union. You so what was it. your first, that's tell me the very first time you got on stage ever. What, when well, was it? It was at the student union at the wheel room. It was called the university of Iowa. I think it probably still is. And, uh, you know, my, my, all my friends came and we drank Everclear punch, which is straight up Everclear and powdered Gatorade. So <laughs> everybody came, my uncle Bob came and filmed it. And I thought, man, I am so funny. I'm going to be on Letterman in like a month. That's when Letterman was, was first started. And it took me like eight years to get on Letterman. But, but I, uh, uh, you know, I learned a lot too. And then the, the people that had performed, the real comics that came from Minneapolis, you know, I was a student comic. They, uh, because my friends all left when I got done opening up. And the guy that booked the, the, this once a month show down there said, listen, if you get your friends to stay for the real comics, then I'll give you a, a job in Minneapolis as a comic. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, we'll do that. And so uh, after my fourth year, and I, I still had a little uh, to go to get my degree because not everything transferred. But after my fourth year, I just got on a bus. I had a hundred bucks, took it to Minneapolis, got off the bus at the Comedy Cabaret and said, hey, I'm here. And I got a trash bag full of clothes and uh, uh, I don't have anywhere to live at or a car so 
I, when I do find a place, it's got to be very close to the club. And he's like, why? I go, because I'm working here now. And he's like, no. What I meant was one weekend for $17. But see, but is that, like, that is such a great story for people to hear because sometimes you have to literally have the balls to do something like that and be like, no, 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 I'm working here now. Yeah. That's such an That's awesome not- story. And You have to be crazy, too, because it doesn't make sense, especially <laughs> when I grew up. It doesn't make sense. But you just have to believe that there's something else out there. That's really the difference between my sister and I. It's not like I was smarter or I just had this dream. And, and during my third year at the plant, because my grandpa had worked there five, 50 years. Excuse me, he'd worked there 50 years. And my dad worked there, people. And then you start going, well, this is a damn good job. I got benefits and things. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, and I started thinking, well, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe there is no way to get out of here because it doesn't make sense. Like, how do you get from here to Hollywood? How, yeah. And one night we went out after work and we, we had a, a disco uh, called the jailhouse. It was like an Iowa redneck <laughs> disco, which my parents eventually ruined by going there with their oh, fucking line dancing buddies. Uh, but I walked out and I saw Andy Kaufman on the street, like in a tumble <laughs> Iowa. And he was talking to people. I'm like, holy shit. You know, he was on Taxi. He's a brilliant comic. And I said, how did you how did you get here? And he said, well, you know, you had a women's wrestling event at the Coliseum. And I went and then I paid him to stay later and wrestle me to, to trade me. And then I took everybody on buses to Happy Joe's Pizza. And I was like, that is my goal, to be able to take everybody to Happy Joe's Pizza. And, uh, and then he got, he got a little crowded. He ran off, but I realized, oh shit, it is uh, humanly possible right. to get from there to here. So it's gotta be, there's whatever that tube is, it goes both ways. And so it was quite as far as you manifested it though. Like, like well, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of that. And uh, you know, he was staying at Fairfield at the Maharishi International University working on transcendental meditation. And, and a, a lot of people, you know, if you really look around your opportunity, you have more opportunities than you think you do. And so people from all over the world were coming there because of that. Uh, at that time in my town, uh, they called them the Ruse, the people who live there, the gurus. And, you know, you're farming. But it, but it certainly, you certainly, if you want to do something, you look around, well, what's the, what options do I have? And how am I not going to hurt myself getting those options? And I did hurt myself a lot because, you know, I got, I've been arrested more than my sister, uh, you know, for fighting and drunk driving and, and fighting with police. And, and I, I, I remember I was one time specifically, I was in the back of a squad car and I was handcuffed behind my back. And I thought, I have got to get it together because if I do get it together, there is something out there. There is always a voice. And, uh, and so then I got out of there. I mean, <laughs> a, a sane person wouldn't have quit school and showed up with a trash bag on a bus. But, but I loved it so much. I love stand-up comedy so much that I just didn't care. I mean, it was fun and it cert- certainly beat uh, my other life. And, you know, you work for nothing. And Minneapolis had five comedy clubs back then. This is 1983. And so you got to do those and then you got to travel a little bit. And, and then uh, and then I met Roseanne when I first moved there. She was a comic out of Denver. And and she wasn't, uh, you know, Rose, Roseanne yet. Right. And we worked together and we hit it off like you and I. Yeah, and, uh, we, you know, because I knew how funny she was, and and she said I was funny too. Which, you know, men know we're good looking, but but if a woman thinks we're funny, oh yeah, I mean, well no, but no, women too. I mean, men yeah, can okay. say, oh, you're pretty, but when a guy says, and she's funny, that yeah. like it's like that is just you yeah. know, because well, how many female comics, especially back then, were there? Yeah, that's I mean, true. Famous, none. True. It was it was a man's world. Yeah, well, and, and you are very funny, buddy. Okay. If you weren't funny. <laughs> what? No. Oh, I would be dead. I would. It's be such a big thing, though. I would be, be dead. My mom. You. My mom's favorite story is that when I was a kid, I'd be in the worst trouble, and she goes, and this little kid would fucking say something yeah. and make me laugh, and I'd be little, little, and go, I see it, I see you, I see it, yeah. and she goes, my, I would say, your eyes are crinkling, your eyes are crinkling, and she, she'd start laughing, and she said, you got out of everything. I kind of did get out of a lot of trouble. Yeah, not recently, well, but you know, recently, recently, I had a little trouble. But well, I have to, uh, hey, take a moment. To, take a moment of this, you know, talking about second act. Um, you, yes. you are you are genu- genuinely one of the funniest humans I've ever met. And then <laughs> us together 
Because that that means are, so much to me coming from you. You know, and the things that we've hosted together. Oh, God. Because you're also, uh, it can be Crazy. inappropriate in the Crazy. funniest ways. And we have <laughs> stuff where. Let's tell that story about, we hosted a charity event together for domestic violence, which I'm open about. You know, I grew up with that and that's very important to me. And Tom never says no. People yeah. listening have to know. he The man doesn't say no to any charity work. Honestly, like you could ask Tom, the, the day before to do something for kids or women. And he's like, great, I'll be there. And he actually you could ask me, you could ask. Well, me. okay. I, Cause I'm funny yeah. um, and pretty. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But um, you will show up for anything. Anyway, I hosted this domestic uh, char- violence charity with you that you actually brought me into the previous year. And we're up there and nobody's bidding. It is the coldest, yeah. quietest. I mean, it, like a millionaire plastic yeah. surgeons and their wives, and it's dead, and I'm dying. And we tell them, we you, because the plastic surgeons fix the the women right. who this horrible scars. Yeah, it's free surgery for victims and 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 um, you know, re, uh, giving them free surgery. Um, and we just start trying to, you know, we're just winging it. <laughs> what did we say? And all of a sudden we start beating each other, like, you know, pretending that we're fist pretending fighting. to box. We start yeah. pretending to box yeah. on stage. And, uh, <laughs> it looked really bad. Like, it looked so it bad. Talking. And we were, we were dying. Like, oh, God. Oh, and dude, you look at the front row, there's these four women. Of, oh, God, they're disfigured. Of, uh, and it was just so inappropriate. But people bid. It was funny. Time. I know. And I thought that's just something forever that I have body and I have what just happened because it's very nice event too. people were dressed up you know there was, was some uh, black tie uh, fancy knobs there and then to end up who else would go with that it's a bit in a I don't know and then we were joking about beating each yeah. other up and maybe how much how much to see me punch Tom Arnold and then yeah. you're like and then you go wait yeah. I, I don't think I don't think we should go yeah. with this line of jokes but that's like man that's such a good thing to be able to that's the best thing about comedy, which I don't yeah. know how you feel about right now, what's going on with the whole cancel culture and stuff, especially for what you do. It's just the comedy. I mean, without comedy, I don't I wouldn't have gotten through my childhood. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, making myself laugh and, and dreaming of being an actress and being fun like that was that got me through. Yeah. How do you feel well, about I, that? I think uh, I think that if you do, you, you, you if you do something atrocious or some kind of horrible me too thing or something racist you're not being canceled you're just being fired right and so to call that people really have uh uh, uh the right wing the far right has really taken the cancer that the cancel uh, culture to use as you know we can't do now we can't overturn the the free and fair election what is the world coming to um but you do uh, i mean there are mistakes with the, our culture and there's mistakes uh, uh, made as we figure out how to be better, all of us. All and, of us are uh, constantly making mistakes, and yeah. I mean, it's that's that's but, life. But if it's not a, if it's a yeah. thing, you know, because you know, there's a there's a lot of male comics, and it ain't it hard for women to yeah. work. Yeah, that stuff they, I'm on so, board with, but yeah. I'm talking about you know that someone brings up a tweet that someone oh, tweeted, yeah. and and when you were coming up in the business, yeah. and half it, the it, things people said then they would be they would be canceled for now. Well, my brother has a picture of me kissing a dog's asshole and uh, for money. And then. Uh, Can I use uh, that as the promo for this episode? Yeah. Well, also, well, you know, there were, I had four best friends and one of them passed out. And we took pictures of this. This may be like I probably go to prison of my scrotum <laughs> on his face. He's my, he said, that's Brownie. He's still my, my best friend. Yeah, but see, Not what's wrong with that? That just sounds normal, you know? Yeah. What's yeah, up? Yeah. yeah. And uh, but. You know, I, I think when people criticize, you know, I, I've been pretty politically active and I don't really consider politically active. I think it doing the right thing uh, yeah. for truth and, 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 and justice. But uh, I don't care what people say about my tweets. I got in a couple times in trouble on uh, on Twitter with Twitter uh, briefly. But people are trying to throw me off Twitter all the time. They file the place they say well why can tom arnold be out here when donald trump can't be out here and uh and it's because i'm not a maniac and i'm also a comic so i, I walk a, a fine line i've got over it a few times i like when I, you i like when you threatened to be when you when you kept t- telling people on twitter that you know come come here come come say that to my face yeah you know to the trumpies you were you were you would say and i'd be like tom are you okay and yeah. you would text back i don't i don't get it and i think you got to know this too 
the people on the internet, they aren't real. You know, I know that I see my kids with the way they deal with video games and YouTube and uh, TikTok. And I have to remind them, um, you know, if you're going to get your feelings hurt doing this, you can't do this because you shouldn't be on social media if you get your feelings hurt. And, and uh, everybody has feelings and stuff. But these people really, a lot of them don't even exist. In your head, they exist. And then you give life to that. And uh, I, I have some fun with the, the negative ones because if you're a comic you kind of you know but i think that i and i'm sure there were times when i was more sensitive but at a certain point you just got to blow by because otherwise you'll miss all the great people you'll miss all the positive things that people do to you and say to you and support you and you know sometimes you got to stick your neck out and you're always a person that's willing to stick their neck out and so you know and you also Especially for some people I love, I will. But I've recently, you know, sometimes Dave has to tell me, like, do not reply to this person, you know, and because I, I'm always ready for a fight. You know, that's how I grew up. And yeah. he's like, don't. Why are you replying? And it's true. I always tell people, don't you can't be an actor if you, if you get your feelings hurt, like because we get rejected for a living. That's that's what I you know, when I work, it's that's a vacation, basically. But sometimes I want to reply so bad, but I'm you know, but I'm not a comic and you guys can. In a oh, no, but you're funny. You're funny. Uh, I think also, you know, we both worked in really toxic environments here and there <laughs> where uh, people that were had more power. Uh, I'm not talking about Roseanne because I was a I was a boss there, but I, about it, people that have more power. And I think to, especially to women, it just, you know, there was and it's changing. That's a good thing about cancel culture or whatever you call it, the legitimate one is you just can't be an asshole to everybody and you can't threaten women and you can't, you know, uh, you know, I see this Joss Whedon thing, you know, the guy from, and, and his, his first job was working with me on the Roseanne show in the writer's room. And I remember he had long red flowing hair and I was like, I'm going to punish this guy every day because he's the new kid writer. And, you know, he's very talented. And uh, I actually went to, I had to check into that I psych for four days on a, a doing way too much drugs. And, and, uh, and they gave which, me a, which, thing which, to which, 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 which act was that one? <laughs> yeah, no, she, no, she did it, but, it, but, but it, it was, uh, before the, but he, he, they gave me a thing, a psychological profile to fill out, which was just this thick. And I took it into the writer's room. I go, we fill this fucking thing out. He goes, what? I go, I'm going to kick your ass. You don't fill this out. And I, I he probably still has it. Cause, but I, I, you know, he was, uh, you know, now I'm thinking that maybe need to have turned him into an asshole, but that's just not true. Well, you that's certainly didn't true. make him do what he did to, to, to those. No, that's girls. just not true. And people just, uh, so there's a lot of good things about cancel culture. I don't, but the people on Fox news whine about it. Uh, and, and, uh, and so we, you know, they've yeah. taken it, they've kidnapped the term and, and, uh, but you know, people, some people need to be, canceled i agree I, exactly there's there's levels but i just was wondering because as a comic it's it's so difficult now to make jokes that we used to make or that you used to make you know what i mean oh. i don't know like well we can't beat up each other up at a domestic abuse fundraiser probably it's not I, difficult you just have to be funny you have to work on material and there's a lot of really funny people out there and really funny women now and really funny, uh, you know, that it, because it's getting into standard comedy. I, that's another reason I respected Roseanne so much was here she is going up against. I saw her go get into it with audiences, with men and and, uh, and hold her own and better. And I said, well, I, you know, that's about that's as sexy as you get there. Uh, but I think that there's. And brave. Oh, God, I certainly, so uh, you know, I've worked back to doing stand up comedy and uh, I certainly don't feel. You know, I felt for a long time the political part of it because, you know, there were so many Trump supporters that are, that are comedy patrons. And they just thought I was being so mean to Donald Trump, not even in my act, but just in my personal life. And, and they do death threats to all the clubs and they do whatever. And, you know, again, those aren't real, but they affect, you know, they affect the bookers. They're like, hey, we don't want to fucking have an onslaught of fucking trolls, uh, you know, on our, our Facebook page for clusterfucks uh, comedy club or whatever but um 
You were so outspoken about Trump. I think we all know that. I mean, you were you were single handedly. You were going to bring that guy down. I mean, he's down. He's down. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I also had the opportunity because you, you stand up, you speak what your truth or whatever. And there's also a lot of Trump supporters in our business. Uh, a lot of people that want to make money anyway and felt like, well, this is the guy. So and all of them were producers, Mark Burnett, who I had to fist oh fight with. But, but, but I think that, um, you know, if you do the right thing, good things are going to happen. Maybe not today. And, and uh, I got to know a lot of people like the pool boys, uh, the Jerry Fall, because Jerry Falwell was the target of mine too, because I was like, how does he end up with Trump? And then the, the, the fact that I got Michael Cohen, a lot of tape of, with Michael Cohen, I talk and explaining about this, fixing this deal with the pool boy and allegedly having these pictures and then seeing the pictures, they weren't what Michael Cohen was saying either and going, that's how he got Trump to support him. Michael Cohen fixed this pool boy uh, thing and then he came back and said, hey, I've still got a picture of Becky uh, and I need you to support Trump. And it was just that, you know, uh, because it didn't make any sense that a, a religious person like that would support Trump because Trump is a monster. And so, you know, getting to know these young men, and there's a bunch, but these young men who were in these psychological, uh, psychologically abusive relationships with Becky and Jerry Falwell. And, and just the, the uh, you know, they're all, the fall, Jerry Falwell would say, he said to Giancarlo Granda, who was the first, he hates being called a pool boy, but he said, I have a tape of you having sex with my wife and I'm gonna send it to your girlfriend if you do one more thing. And, you know, and, and the, the fun thing about people like Jerry Falwell is they want to get caught. You know, they want to, you know, he's an alcoholic. He, He's a practicing alcoholic. He he is uh, b- being very inappropriate with students, him and his wife. And uh, he's also a coward who blamed his wife, you know, and uh, and then we have to prove that that just wasn't, it wasn't just the wife and these guys. Jerry was there. And, you know, I think that there's a, you know, uh, I, I, why well, I didn't like him, but you can probably hear the taste of me talking about this with, with Michael Cohen, is because he, what hated Muslims and he loved guns and he wanted hated immigrants and that his wife and him are fucking a guy named Giancarlo Granda who's half Mexican <laughs> yeah, and so you can't I, even make this like, shit up. Yeah, I was like, uh, well, this is a hypocrite who just wants to, you know, take advantage of the tax breaks and and it was it led to his downfall. He got fired from the university last September. You know, we, uh, Giancarlo was very instrumental in that because. He had to show them, well, you know, these guys, the one thing they don't want is to be like gay. Well, that's, that seems, yeah. I, I, my wife, you'll throw their wife under the bus, but they, they don't want to be part of whatever that thing is. And the same with the, the pool boys. They don't want to be, they're like, no, he did. I was with Becky and he was with Jerry. Like, they're funny, like young guys. First of all, if you're a young guy and you work at the Fountain Blue Hotel, you're uh, a pool, uh, attendee attended whatever and a rich he, you know this rich couple comes in there and becky's attractive you know and says hey would you come and party with us in the hotel and uh, my wife wants to have sex with you you know if i was 19 or 20 i'd be like oh yeah i'm in oh I'm my in. god yeah and that's how they you know then they're like well we're gonna make your dreams come true too what's your dream and he's like well i'd like to open up a youth hostel here in miami we'll, we'll be your partner here's four million dollars Oh my god. And so, you know, go down on a private chat and fly around. And then uh and then but then the he tried to get away from that and then they would do these crazy things to lure him in. They got to know his parents. They they became but and, and if you're a parent and, and you're a born again uh, Christian and your 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 son is friends with Jerry and Becky Falwell, who are like God, you're like, Whoa, don't ruin that thing. So you right. really need to be honest with your parent. If you can imagine not being able to be honest with your mother, who you're very close to. You know, uh, I think that that so anyway, so that stuff, this Trump stuff with Trump led to all this because everyone around him was also so bad. And so when you took on that, when you were going, because, I, you know, you'd go on CNN when you were doing all that and you were so outspoken and, you know, you were like, did you care at all about your career? Like, were you did you just not care what people think or thought or worry or say? I knew it was so bad. I knew because I know Trump 30 
eight years, whatever, and had spent time with him and, and been in the Playboy Mansion with him and, and uh, but also done business with him. I knew he was the worst person in the world. Like people, are, and I knew how racist and I knew how the the misogyny, and I just knew he would do anything or say anything. And he didn't care about the country. He didn't care about anybody. And so all these enablers of his, you know, these Republican enablers, like, yeah, he's our guy. Oh, his policies. That one thing he did, you know, the, the xenophobia or the anti-Semitism. I'm not for that one thing, but I'm for this other thing. And, and people just enabled him. And then he's tried to destroy the country. He literally tried to overturn a, a free and fair election. It's never happened in history. He incited a mob of his uh, supporters to go in and try to murder his vice president. And if they'd have gotten through that last chain of cops, they, they would have murdered people. And that's why, and, and, and just the fact that these cops were so brave and, and, and just, you, you could see the videos of them just hand to hand combat with these people. And, and, and the Republicans do not want to know the truth about that day because the truth about that day, they think, feel will hurt them because it will uh, reflect on Donald Trump who right. did nothing who sat in the most powerful man in the world, sat there, watched it on TV and did nothing. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. I feel, I feel that anybody, uh, there were people that have problems with me speaking out, but that's on them. But you didn't care at all. You were like, I don't care. Cause you know, that whole thing, actors should shut up and, you know, just, just perform. I mean, we get that all the time. Actors shouldn't be political. Like you just, you, you're so passionate about everything. You really truly don't care. Well, I care. I care about my kids. Again, they're eight and five. And what's the best thing I can do for them? is to speak up about all the injustice, especially when I know somebody and I spent time with them. It's really on me to speak up. And, and uh, you know, it costs you money, it costs you whatever, but at the end, you're, you're, you're yourself and you've done what you believe in. And, and it's turned out to be everything I said to be true. And That but, is true, but can I ask you a question? Cause you live your life like that, like as far as all the things you've been through. Oh, and you're so open about it. Do you, is that like kind of your man mantra? Like if you, if you, if you speak up and you're a good person, it doesn't matter. Like right. if you fall yeah. down and you, it, whatever you do, cause you, 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 you talk right, about your struggles openly. Yeah. And if you do the right thing, if you're of service to other people, if you do the right thing, it doesn't matter because you add whether some people call it God, I'm going to call it God. You, you are rewarded because it changes everything for everybody. If you put, if you're negative and you put, uh, you know, if you're just a little slippery, like my sister is a full on gangster and criminal. And, you know, and there's some people like uh, Trump and those guys that are always work in the margins and sometimes go out here and just live their life dishonestly. And, and for me, that doesn't work because that's the way I end up dead from drugs or alcohol or, you know, and so we have this life and every day we have an opportunity. We make mistakes. We get back up. We acknowledge our mistakes and then we move on. And, and acknowledging all my mistakes has been number one, good for me. Uh, and trying to make amends and, and uh, not having resentments by dealing with stuff because it's kept me alive and, and sober. And uh, uh, you know, there's tough days though. And I, I wanna say it, tomorrow it could be off the rails, but I'm aware of that. And so, uh, you know, when you share things, when you have something happen and you share it and you share your embarrassment or your pain or your uh, whatever, it affects other people because they see that and they connect to it in a way that that movies and TV can't. Absolutely. You know? I, I, that's why when I started this podcast, it was all about, you know, all the times I've fallen down and I just hit, you know, bad times. And I've got, I get messages from people that are just so like, God, it really inspired me. And that's the only reason why I wanted to do it. Because if you have someone to look up to or, or say, well, I thought her life was perfect, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, I just had a huge mistake happen. And it's like the support of knowing that everybody just being honest about it, acknowledging it and getting support from people. It's just like, Oh God, it's, it makes you, it makes you get up again. It makes you right. go today's a new day. Right. And it also, it is a new day and, and you know, but it's also a, a say, Oh, that's a sign or, okay, that's not going to happen again. That's yeah. it. You know, as we were chatting, uh, I think that's really important. That's really important. Instead of limiting the shame, and there's a lot of people that want to shame you all yeah, the time. Yeah, I feel it. that with people that want me to be Tom Arnold on my worst fucking day. And that's not who I am. And that's not who I am, uh, you know, 30 years ago. 
that, that that's just not who I am. And so people that want to keep you in that shape, you got to get them the fuck out of your life. You got to not, cause you can't live in that if you want to be better. Amen. You know? So my, my, my first half was uh, in Iowa, getting out of Iowa and then coming out here and being a comic and a writer. So I got three halves, I got their thirds, but then was becoming a parent. So, I mean, I, I look at, you know, I mean, I always said I wanted to be a parent and it turned out I really did want to be a parent, thank God. Cause you know, I'm 62, single dad. I got a eight year old son and a five year old daughter. And it is, uh, you know, uh, you know, you talk about unconditional love and, uh, but, and you say that at weddings, I've said it four times and had it said to me, but there's <laughs> conditions, there's conditions, right? You know, but these kids, man, from the moment you meet them, the moment it, they come out of wherever it was C-section. So come out, you go, <laughs> Oh, that kid loves me unconditionally. And, and I love this kid unconditionally. And that kid is going to look to me uh, every moment of their life. So I got to get, have my shit really together. And I also can't go, oh, boo-hoo, I've never been unconditionally loved by, by a woman or yeah, my yeah. family. I go, oh, no, I can't say it anymore. It's these, not about you anymore. They love you so much, you know. And, Do you think uh, that, has that, been, has that been the number one reason, like, like you, you've, you know, your sobriety, everything that you've worked for? I mean, now it's like all about them, right? Everything. Yeah. It is all about them. It, it is a little shocking too to go. Nothing is about you from this point on, and it's and I feel good that I've done so many things though because, you know, I think when people have children early, when I was eighteen, my seventeen-year-old uh, girlfriend said she was pregnant, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be at Hormel forever. And then she, I had, I went, drove down to Missouri to tell her dad, who was a great big six-eight farmer who wanted to murder me, and then it turned out she was lying. Thank God, and. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, that never works, life, ladies, ladies, it never works. Yeah. I, my life would have been just that. Yeah. And so I thought that's another, it's a gift from God right here. I've got another chance because at that time I was like, just roping it all in. Like, right. but we're going to be packed. Like, there's a lot of people that are happy there and they're happy because they have families to support or, you know, yeah, and, my, my whole neighborhood never left everyone from Brooklyn. They, they, you know, they, I was like, I got to get out of here. You know, it's like they, they, they were happy there. That's what they wanted. You well, know, Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn's where you moved to. Well, right in Iowa. Now you do. Now you do. But yeah. not when not when I was a kid. No. But yeah. Like you, you were so so um, you're the one that when we had dinner with the doctor, you were the one when I turned 40 and like my whole life was falling apart. And, and uh, we had dinner with the doctor from that charity event that won the auction to go to Soho House with you and me for, for dinner. And yeah. you were so like, why haven't you frozen your eggs? And I right. was like, well, well, why? Well, I don't want to do it alone because I was raised. Al and you were like, Bonnie, you like, and the doctor, because of you said, yeah. I'll do it for free. Yeah. I'll, I'll, he said, I'll do it for free because of what you do with these women. And that wouldn't have happened if, if it wasn't for you. Well, I, I think too, Bonnie, you know, you're just such a good person. You had a great role model with your mother. I think that if you want to have kids, you don't, you know, you, you just do that. And, right. and, and, uh, you, 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 and then you give them your life and you don't go, well, I gotta be with this guy or have to have this perfect thing or whatever. Cause you're like me, you tried to find that and you have it now. Although I, do. I have nothing. it now. I hope I, yeah. I hope I, I hope I keep this one because okay. I, it's, and, and again, like, like you, it, it, I, it, I, I never thought it was going to happen to me. I, I, I was like, I had given up. I said, I'm never getting engaged. It's too late. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just who I am. I'm just, you know, I can't find anyone. No one gets me. And it did happen for me, like at 46. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. never too late. Yeah. And he seems like a guy that's not so much like you that it's not going to work out. And that's kind of. Thank God he's not him. like me. Uh, you know, but but he's he's, you know, I've seen I saw him watching you just with love on his face. You got to have someone that's that just thick or thin. They got your back and uh, solid. He's a solid dude. Yeah. Too. But you know what? If I had met him in my 30s or uh, earlier, I would have blown it 100 percent. I was a late bloomer. I wasn't ready. I had a lot of work to do, did a lot of therapy. Like it, for me, my journey, I would have blown it. Totally would have blown it. Well, you still have a chance. To <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing. But no, it's you He's are laughing. in a great place because I have known you in the middle of the therapy yeah. like the middle of just, the anxiety uh, because of the trauma and abuse that you've gone through 
with everything, you're like this. And, and I get that. Believe me. And I you you you're always somebody I've always looked up to because you are so supportive of and so like, come on, get up, get up, do this. Why can't you do it? Why can't you do it? Why can't you do it? And you've that's who you are. And I, I just think like you've lived your life like that since getting out of the meat plant. Like, nope, come on, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it with everything against you that you've had family, abuse, drugs, you know. Roseanne, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> like you, you are really you such a positive person. Yeah. You really are like, nope, going to start over. Right. Well, it helps to have be that a little crazy, I call it. Like to believe, I mean, to believe the stuff that we've made come true is yeah. insane. I was told this is never going to happen. Yeah. You know, I dropped out of school. I was like, you know, cut off. Like, this is never going to happen my whole life. And I was like, no, no, it is. But it is insane that I did it because I never had any, there was no acting, I mean, in, in my world where I grew up. I mean, are you kidding? But it is, you have to be a little crazy. You have you to. You know, and I, I see people like uh, Julie Brown, Julie K. Brown is what she goes by. The journalist, uh, she was with the Miami Herald when I met her. She she broke the Epstein story. And she was also helpful with the Jerry Falwell stuff. You know, I called her up one day and I said, I want to help you with the Epstein stuff. Here's some information I have. I know uh, uh, Ms. Maxwell, and and uh, she was, she goes, well, this is this for a show? This conversation? I go, no, no, I don't have a show. It's never been about my show. And this woman, you know, she she worked, she grew up in Philadelphia, and she was a single mom who was on welfare, and just is killing it and killing it. She's a Pulitzer Prize worthy journalist. She went out and interviewed a hundred victims of, of Jeffrey Epstein. That that paper had no budget. And, uh, and she, the case was closed, closed. And this woman just made it happen. And, and she just, it, she's excellent. She's excellent. But she's also has this grit, like, oh no, this is what I'm going to, yeah. going to do. And there's, and, and there's women in that business, Jane Mayer, who I become friends with, where you always feel like I got to hook these two women up because women got to be together. You know, even if they're both like Jane's at the New Yorker and, and uh, but these guys, I just said, I know that these guys are going to be pals. So I hooked them up just like you and I, like there's something unspoken and, and thick or thin. I'd always, uh, you know, because also you're funny and crazy. <laughs> and also I still what's going on with your friend that I, you know, that from my. What's, what's her oh, name? I told her I was speaking, speaking to you. She said, oh, Yes. We get, we're, we're, we're a big fan. We're, we're, he's, this is when Dave is like, don't say anything. Yeah. Don't use the name. Oh, my God. He's laughing. He's, he's, oh, really she's, great. she's great. She's the best. You're always there, though. That's the problem. Oh, I'm, you're always, no, I'm teasing excuse you. Excuse me. You both are. Excuse me. I was, the one, I was sitting there sometimes going, um, hello, I'm here. I'm at the yeah. table. And uh, Tom, you're supposed to set me up with somebody. Don't you know anybody? And you're like, I'll talk to you later. I go, nobody's good enough for you. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying for the sports world. I go, oh, boy. Uh, but I've always thought that way. And uh, I just remember the pictures from the last charity event we did, the art, the Venice art thing. <laughs> there we went, the assets coming to the photo room. Just really inappropriate. Oh, so inappropriate. I mean, so awesome. So I am, awesome. I'm definitely, you know, not the most appropriate person. Oh, that's great. That's I make great. a lot of mistakes. Also, yeah, we also raise money. We're there yeah. doing a good thing. We have and, raised and a lot of money together. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And you so are the that, most charitable person I've ever met. I, I, oh. You don't say no to, I, it could be like a dog adoption at 6 p.m. at Costco in, in, in freaking Glendale, and you'll be like, "Yeah, I'll be there." And you what? You yeah. come in, you you whirl whirl around for about a good 20, yeah. 30 minutes. You're like, "All right, Bonnie, you good? Okay, I'm I'm out. I have a meeting, and I have a meeting in ten minutes. Yeah. I gotta go." But like, you're just you never say no to anything. Yeah, and you're such well, a kind I, person. I, you know, I I don't say no to you. That's for sure. And I do get a lot out of being of service. I think it it uh, I have the opportunity to do things. I have a scholarship fund. Give away two full rides every year to my old college debt for 30 there's things that mean a lot to me my heart camp as yeah. you know my children's heart camp children's which, heart camp you know it which uh it's the biggest a uh, camp del corso the biggest camp for kids with heart defects and, and heart uh disease in america but also comes back to help me because you know if my kids ever needed a doctor knock on wood or when i had heart failure you know i i these guys that stepped up for me these brilliant cardiologists that we had so it's selfish in a way because I get so much out of it. I enjoy 
the kids. I like to see them grow up. I like to see them become counselors. I like answering all their questions. And uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it's one, been the, one of the best things in my life. And uh, yeah. so I get a lot out of it. You give back to so many people. And you've had such an incredible life, man. It's I, every time you're on Howard Stern, I can't get out of the car. I mean, you two together. I mean, he gets you to talk about everything. Yeah, I'm going back in two weeks. I'm no Howard Stern, but uh, man, you, he, he'll get you to say anything. Well, not okay. that you have a, not that you have a filter, but let's go. Oh, but I think it's good. That's why, again, I'm happy to be going back on, uh, you know, because he kind of trimmed down his days. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. do, you know, I first started going out there 30 some years ago. He was, he had a, he ran and ran and ran and he was on every day. And, and now he's being a, a little more pinpointed about what he does. He's still the best that ever. That, thank God. Thank God he signed up for another five years or I'd have to, I'd have to, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to leave Los Angeles because I can't stand driving here. Yeah. But um, so I'll tell you something he did once. So right after Rosanna and I broke, uh, divorced about a year or so, and I was staying at the, the Regency in New York, uh, the hotel. And, and Gary called me. Uh, Baba Bowie and said, Baba "Hey, Rosanna's on the show right now," and, and we had a very acrimonious divorce. She said, you "I did." Oh no, I never heard she that. Said, she said, "I had a three-inch penis," and I said, "Even a seven forty-seven looks small for the lens of the Grand Canyon," and and uh, and we'd had this divorce. And he said, "You know, she wants to make amends, and would you like to talk to you on the show?" And I go, "Well, they, I'm up for that." I remember. I always that. am. I'm always trying to get to the other side of something or letting it happen. And my, I started talking and then she was with this other guy and they accused me of something. And then 45 minutes later, I'm standing on the bed. I realized, uh, I'm like, you know, and it has, if you can still hear it on the show, it's crazy. I have, by the it's way, crazy. I have heard this many yeah. times and it went from zero to you guys. It was so bad. It oh, was it's like, so I bad. thought you were going to so show bad. up there and just, I yeah. mean, the, the, but the then, <laughs> People, Steve Tish, who owns the, the family owns the hotel, the first call when I hung up, the phone rang, it was him, and he's like, are you okay? I go, yeah. was that bad? And he's like, people are pulled off the side of the 405 freeway listening mm -hmm. to it. It's I remember that. that. Yeah. Pre-serious days. Yeah. What so, do you think, what would you, what, what would you say like your biggest, like, because you've had so many setbacks and, you know, personal stuff and four divorces and all that, like, what do you think like the biggest thing that caused you to like, what was the biggest moment that you can remember that was a real watershed like moment? Like, well, oh, you know, shit. It, you know you, hopefully you learn from everything. And I really don't consider my marriages. I don't consider that Howard Stern show a failure. That was so great. It was great. I, I don't, I wish it hadn't happened. Uh, but you know, I, you look at all the other opportunities I've had in my life. And, you know, I certainly went into all four of my marriages. Like this is it. I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to break the big rules going to have her back. Well, I assume we'll have each other's back and, and things change. And, and at the end of each, you know, I, I uh, was relieved and uh, because it, it, whatever it was, and I may have jumped in, I definitely jumped into some, a couple at least too fast. Mm -hmm. and, and now I say, if you want to marry someone, divorce them first and then see who they really are. And then, uh, and then marry him. Listen, I'm just trying to like, I just, could you just be quiet? Cause I literally, he's sitting right here. Like yeah. just trying, no, to, get, just, trying to pick a date. Let me just get a date before. Yeah. Yeah. He's very stable. And he's but a father. The divorce is, yeah, he's a, a great dad, but um, like those are, uh, yeah, those aren't, I mean, that's not like a big fail. I never think of those as failures. I mean, if things don't work out, they don't work out, but like. Well, they failed. They did fail. The, the, the enterprise of being married forever to one person yeah. that that failed four times, but it, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I would like to have the money. <laughs> I definitely just from the weddings. Oh my millions God. Of dollars. And the lawyer uh, fees, Jesus. Oh, they're the worst. I'm, oh my God. Uh, but I, uh, do you think there's you know, a number five out there for you or you well, don't, I, 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 I'm not going to say no, who knows what, you know, as, as James Cameron said after my uh, divorce, he goes, I go, well, I'm, people are saying I should never. He goes, nobody writes your fucking story. Nobody writes the end of your fucking story. He's been married five times. That you write it. Tell those people to fuck off. You do whatever works for you. Woohoo! I love Again. hearing that. And that's also part of why I love you so much. Cause you're always that you're just that type of person that if you want to, if you need a pep talk, Tom yeah. Arnold is the guy you should call. Well, you know, I have to say too, not a lot of people 
uh, are, are that interested in a 62 year old single father with an eight year old and a five year old. Cause they basically got to be kind of this, the mirror of me uh, <laughs> or something where they're, you know, cause the kids are so involved in my life. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean I want, don't want to hook up with people. Well, let's say it now, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this <laughs> podcast, all 10 of you, <laughs> yeah. the man is available. I have his number. It's his, yeah. uh, it's his fifth yeah. act. He's available. Yeah, you know, I, I was engaged four other times before I started Whoa. getting married. I'm a good long-term, sort of long-term guy. And I brought you up just sad that we never hooked up before you. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're so crazy with somebody oh. that, that you go, okay, well, I guess it's just us in the world. Because we're both so inappropriate, funny, yes. you know. I had uh, to meet my person to figure me out and get me and stick with me. And it took me this long. But yes, it's uh, we are we are well, definitely different. We are different. Dave McClade is lucky to be with you. You are fucking amazing. Oh. You're amazing. You're 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 exciting. You're re self reflective. You you. uh you know, and your your you, your mother was strong, and that's how you go. Well, my woman I married. What about her relationship with her mother? Okay, that's your mother's a badass, and you're so beautiful. Oh. And I, I think I've seen most of your body. You are just an amazing. <laughs> I have seen I have seen all of your heart, and oh. you're a survivor. And he is fucking lucky, Thanks. and he knows it. He knows it. You're both lucky. You're gonna make me cry. It's true. Thank you. I try my best. Like I like you, I've, you know, make mistakes and, and, and it's just so good to talk to people like you because, you know, you know, how I, I beat myself up that, you know, that like no, that survivor, that. the survivors, all of us from childhood yeah. abuse, like, you yes. know, it's my fault. It's my fault. And, yeah. um, you know, you just have to, that's part of this podcast. I just want people to know, like, you got to just get up and forgive yourself and start again and yeah. try to be better. Yeah. Cause you've only got, We've only got this one life. We've only got today. We all have it. People are like, What's your, how old are you? And I'd be like, I'm today old, motherfucker. That's all. And we've got today, and it's a gift. Now, if other people want to keep us back in that, that's fucking on them. But we have to be our best self today. Sure, we make mistakes. Sure, we do this. But but this is our day. And this is our life. This one, I don't know what your religion is. I, but I'm, I think this is heaven. This is it. To make the best we could do and, and get be as kind to people and have as much love as we can. And and the other stuff is bullshit. Once we have set straight things out within ourselves. My and uh, you know, the world changes when you work on yourself. You you know that too. Oh, yeah. You're able to see things. And then but then there's just some people that are crap. You just gotta ignore them. <laughs> and then you work on yourself, you work on yourself, and then you have a setback, and then you're like, God damn it, and then you work yeah. on yourself more, and then you'll have a setback. And you, but I love the way you think. You are so inspiring. Yeah. Well, I love you. Knock on wood, I love you. I uh, love uh, Dave. I think you guys are do you want to do you want to do, do, do you want to roast I'm our old, wedding? Do you want to roast our wedding? No, I'm an ordained minister. I oh, married, you are? Oh, what? nobody what? that I married has ever broken up, and they've oh. all been gay. Gay couples. Oh, I'm shit, four shit. for four and zero for four in marriages that I was in. So I'll do whatever oh. I can do for you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. I love you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Bye. I know. How good was that? God, I love that guy. I really, truly love that guy. You know, he's he's very polarizing which I love people that are like that. It's because he just really lives his life and he's so honest. I mean, he will tell you anything and what he's overcome. Check out that show, Queen of Meth. Um, I think it's on AMC, but I'm going to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. I've seen some clips. It looks insane. And he's really done everything. I mean, everything from Christmas movies for kids in Rome to, you know, getting tons and tons of let's say, extracurricular activities at um, unfortunate bathhouses next to LAX, to writing movies, to producing movies, to, to, to working with Arnold, to, my God, his Howard Stern interviews are always my favorite. Check that one out. It just came out last week, so it's on replay. Um, he's so honest about his sobriety and everything he's been through, and he, he really inspires me a lot, and he's one of the most forgiving people that 
I've ever known. He started a meeting, an AA meeting that himself that's been going for 30 years here in Los Angeles. Um, he's sponsored so many people. Um, and no matter what happens, he always gets back up. Nothing knocks him down and he always finds a second act or a second wife <laughs> or a third or, or maybe a fourth. But he is truly one of my dear friends. Um, he's been there for me throughout a lot of things that I've needed help in, especially recently and just in the past. And he's, every day's a new day. He's always positive because I love that quote that he says, you write your own fucking story. Nobody else can write your fucking story. So if you don't like the way your act is going, rewrite it. And that's my advice to you today. Hope you enjoyed that one. Hope you had some laughs. Um, Sending you all love. Don't forget to follow me again. Second underscore act underscore podcast on Instagram. And Bonds Somerville is my own personal Instagram. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave me that review on Apple. Tell me how amazing I am. Um, Tell me how beautiful I am. Tell me how, I don't know. Listen, I get them all, but, you know, getting nice ones, that would help. That would help a lot. So lots of love to you guys, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.